Well, this morning, I want you to turn in your scripture, in your Bibles, on your phone, whatever you're using. I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, just two verses of scripture today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And as we take those scriptures, listen to what Paul wrote to young Timothy. He said, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made your, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This morning I want to preach to you with the thought in mind of up close and personal with Jesus. Up close and personal with Jesus. And this morning as uh, you're getting up close and personal with Jesus, I want you to think about a few things with me. Uh, has... We think about Paul and what he's writing to Timothy. He's writing to Timothy in a time when the church has become uh, very much in a uh, distressful situation, if you would. The church has found themselves in a uh, time period when they're, they're feeling tried. Now, of course, right now the church is, is feeling tried as well, but uh, quite frankly... Um, I'm not so sure that we really know what being tried is in this moment that we're living in. I'm not sure that we understand the trials in the, in the sense that that early church understood the trials and tribulations. But he's calling this, his people to be, to become up close and personal. As we find ourselves in this, in this world when, when certain, certain periods of time, certain things are going on, certain things are happening all around us and, uh, we might not understand them. We've got to keep pressing on. Paul speaks to Timothy in the, uh, in the mindset of pursuing. Pursuing. Pursuing is the act of following someone or something with all your senses. You're tasting, smelling, seeing, with everything that is in you. Pursuing, pursuing entails the, the entirety of a person. Even, not only our senses, but even also our emotion. Everything that we can muster up. Paul's instructing this young protege to pursue the things of God, which in essence is pursuing God Himself. A few days ago, I, I shared on my social media post, whether if you follow me on Instagram or if you follow me on Facebook, I, I shared this post. And I said, Jacob wrestled with an angel. A sickly woman scratched and dug her way through a crowd. A short guy climbed a big tree while another fellow lost the roof of his house because some friends of a, of a sickly man had some determined friends. And I said, ask yourself, to what extent am I willing to go to encounter God? All of these encounters that I mentioned represent 
an individual's determination to encounter the presence of God in an up-close and personal matter. Don't be mistaken now this morning. Salvation is obtained by faith. Salvation is the free gift of God. We can't work for our salvation. We can't, uh, we can't earn it in any means. But yet, we, we pursue God through, we, we pursue God as the Holy Spirit pursues us. We pursue God in His salvation. But then I'm talking about going on beyond our salvation into an even deeper experience with God. Again, don't misunderstand me. You can't ever be any more saved than being saved by the blood of Jesus. But we can pursue a deeper experience with God. In his uh, book, The Pursuit of God, Reverend A.W. Tozer wrote this. He said, the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. All he has ever done for any of his children... He will do for all of His children, but the difference lies not in God, but in us. In us. It's up to us to to decide how and to what extent that we want to pursue God. Each of us can have just as much of God as we desire. Again, not just speaking of His salvation but talking about going into the fullness that He has for us. The individuals that I mentioned a few moments ago um, uh, doesn't necessarily serve as an extensive list of people, but it does give us a list of people that were passionate about chasing after God. In fact, the Scripture is full of those people. Not only the ones that I mentioned, but we can think of a few more. We can think of a guy named Job. And Job was just and upright. Job had uh, even maybe seemingly unintentional in many ways. Job was a man that had pursued after godliness. We think about Noah. Noah was a man that was found just and upright. And, and, and Noah was to be found, out of all the people in the world, Noah was the only man that God chose in that moment to build the ark that would uh, save humanity and creation as it was at that time. We read the story of, of David. And we think of David most often in Scripture as the man that was after God's own heart. He was the apple of God's eye. He was at the center of God's eye. Even in, even in, in spite of David's fallacies, in spite of his, his, his improprieties, the mistakes that he made, the failures that were many in David's life, yet David was a man after God's own heart. I think in the New Testament of a group of fishermen that, that said, yes, we're willing to sell everything we have to come follow you, Jesus. They gave, they, they gave up everything. They used not only their senses, but their emotions, but everything that their life entailed, they, they gave up to follow Jesus. And a religious leader uh, that had earned many degrees of law, his name was Paul, and Paul gave up everything he had, all of his substance in, in so many ways, everything short of just his life itself, he gave it up. To follow Jesus. You see, pursuing, pursuing God is not for the faint of heart. But pursuing God is more than a casual following. 
It is the abandonment to yourself. It is putting your wants and it is me putting my wants. It's putting our desires aside. But that pursuit will not occur unless there is a passion. A passion that is filled by an overwhelming desire or need. Sometimes our pursuit of God is is fueled by circumstances in our life. And I must ask myself, what caused Jacob to, to, to wrestle, uh, with God to the point that his thigh become dislocated? What was it? It was an overwhelming desire. What was it that caused this anemic woman, this woman that had been bleeding for many years, this woman that has not only weakened body, but she has been banished by society because of her bleeding. What was it that caused her to push her way through that crowd to get to Jesus? She had a passion. She had a desire. She had something that had caused her to reach a point of desperation to push into Jesus. Jesus, what was it that caused this midget-sized tax collector to climb a tree just so he could get a glimpse to see Jesus and not knowing that Jesus was going to say, I'm going to come over and be at your house this evening. It was an overwhelming desire. What was it that drove those fellas to rip the roof off of their neighbor's house to lower a man, one of their friends, down on a sick bed just to be in the presence of Jesus? It was passion. It was desire. It maybe even was a point of desperation, knowing that everything that they could need, everything that they could want, everything that they could could possibly desire was found in the presence of Jesus. You see, it's not only a desire that you and I need to have, but it is a desire that Jesus already has. You see, he, God desires us to pursue after Him. He, it's not that He's some on some ego trip and some ego God that's sitting up there that needs somebody to give him glory. God has got in his presence right now. There, there are angelic beings, winged beings that are surrounding the throne of God and they're giving praise unto the Lord. Even right now as we speak, they are worshiping him. They are praying. So, so it's not that God is without praise. But what God desires us, uh, uh, us children, creation, uh, that, that He created different than any other creation He's ever made, that he, he instilled within us a free will. He desires us. God's desire is for us to desire Him. He wants us to yearn after Him. He wants us to crave Him. He wants us to chase after Him. And He wants us to pursue Him if you would. I can show you some examples in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, uh, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, He said, if you will follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And these guys were, we, 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 there's all evidence tells us these guys were successful as fishermen. In fact, later on they get a little discouraged and they even go back to mending their nets. But Jesus said, if, if you will forsake what you have and you will come and follow me. It's not that they needed success. It's not that they pursued success. It's just God had a desire for them to follow him and they had one in return that they may pursue him. 
He told Philip in the Gospel of John chapter 14, or excuse me, in John chapter 1, he tells Philip, he says, Philip, come and follow me. Follow me. God is calling us to follow Him. And many times we think about that in the means of salvation. And yes, that does apply. And, and, and when we become saved, we become disciples. And, and we're, we're followers of Jesus. But I think there, there is something to be said that when we're willing to neglect everything, when we're willing to let go of everything, and we make Jesus first in our life, and we begin to pursue after Him. When, 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 when Jesus spoke to Levi. Levi was a crooked tax collector. All of them were crooked. He was sitting in a tax booth and Jesus said to him, Levi, follow me. And he closes up his booth and he begins to follow Jesus. Whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing in life, God is saying to us, forsake everything else. And that doesn't mean that he wants us to mistreat our families. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to care for our bills and pay our, pay our bills and, and care for for our families, but it does mean He wants us to put Him at the top priority in our lives. And as we put Him at the top priority in our lives, then we will begin to see the, the, the work of God manifest in our lives in ways that we've never, ever known before. To a rich man, He says, go and sell what you have. Give it to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven. And then come and follow me. But that rich, that rich man, he couldn't handle it. He didn't, he didn't want, he, he wanted the things of God, but he didn't want God enough to walk in that obedience. When we think about what Solomon said in Proverbs, he says in Proverbs 15 and 9, 15 and 9, he says, the Lord detests the way of the wicked. But he loves those who pursue righteousness. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't love everybody. God loves everybody. He loves everybody. That's not what Solomon is saying at all. But God loves it when we are pursuing him. When we are pursuing him. When we are chasing after him. Yeah, some of you older ones in the school, and I know it's not, it's not that way anymore, but, but you remember, you remember when you were boys in school? You guys in here, you remember when you boys in school and you pulled the little girl's hair? You pulled the little girl's hair? You wasn't doing it to be mean to them, you was doing it because you wanted them to chase you. Mm-hmm. Now, AK, don't be over there pulling Sue's hair. But see, God wants us to chase after Him. He wants us to pursue Him. He wants us to come looking for Him. Now, He's not lost. He's not misplaced. He's just consistent. He's all, he's the same place. He's, he's always, He's always on time. He, he's always there. But He wants us to chase after Him. He wants us to pursue Him. In fact, that's why I think in the New Testament, when you study it, you find that Jesus 13 times is recorded speaking to someone, follow me, follow me. God's wanting us to pursue Him. He's wanting us to chase after Him. But I said this already, pursuing is not for the faint of heart. 
Because what Jesus said, he said in Matthew 16 and 24, he tells us that in following him, pursuing him means taking up a cross. And taking up a cross is not easy. Taking up a cross is heavy. Taking up a cross actually means that you're heading to a crucifixion. You see, when we take up a cross, when we begin to follow, if we're really going to chase after Jesus, it's not going to be always easy. He tells us to involve taking up a cross. And note that Jesus established that whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow him is actually not worthy of him. When we look at Matthew chapter 10, Jesus also said, you'll be hated for my name's sake. When you follow Jesus, you may not be the most popular guy or most popular lady on the block. If you don't be a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean that you found yourself in a popularity contest. In spite of all of the, uh, all of the fancy lighting and, 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 and fancy smoke and, and, and everything that we have in, in a lot of our modern day churches to make it look really popular, being a really a follower of Jesus, pursuing after Jesus is not a popular thing. And it's probably not going to leave you popular. If you don't believe me, if you ever get the chance, ask John the Baptist. It cost him his head. You see, Jesus had, or excuse me, Paul had this frame of mind. Paul said, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness I delight in insults, I delight in hardships, I delight in persecutions, I delight in difficulties, because when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, when we pursue after God, we we have to be so passionate about Him, so in love with Him, that even when things are less than pleasant, we can still sit her at joy. I'm glad that my head could be cut off for your sake, Jesus. I'm glad that I could be boiled in oil and left on an island with nothing but copperheads and rattlesnakes for you, Jesus. I'm glad, I'm glad that I could be locked in the pit of a prison and and rats gnawing at my toes and and climbing across the top of my head while my hands and arms are changed and I, I can't even swat them off of me. I'm glad that I could suffer for you, Jesus. You see, pursuit, the pursuit of God is not always pleasant, but yet it is very rewarding. And and having said that, I want you to know that pursuing God has its benefits. Because when I read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, He said, Ask and it shall be given, seek and it will be found, knock and it shall be opened to you. So even though it's not always pleasant and it's not always pretty and it's not always easy, when we pursue God, He says that the benefits are remarkable. In James, in his epistle, James chapter 4, James says, 
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and well. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord. Pursue the Lord. And he will lift you up. You see, pursuing the Lord, pursuing the Lord is not always easy. Pursuing the Lord is not always, always convenient to us. Pursuing the Lord is not always pleasant to us. But the results of pursuing the Lord are mighty and they're great. You know, that even when we think about, when we think about, when we think about the work of fasting, Fasting is not pleasant. I have never missed a meal and said I enjoyed not eating for two or three days. I've never went to, till I felt like my stomach has, has, has put a death grip on my backbone and says, man, I just enjoy fasting so much. No, it's not a pleasant thing. I, I've never found for anybody that really come to me and says, you know what, pastor? I, I, praying is one of the most fun things that I've ever done. I have more fun praying than doing anything else. Praying is a whole lot better than watching TV. Praying is a whole lot better than going hunting or fishing or riding my bicycle. Praying is so much fun. No one we pursue God, it's not always pleasant. But the benefits and the rewards of pursuing God are mighty. And they're great. So pursuing God has its benefits. Pursuing God, I made myself a note here, that pursuing God is preparedness for selfless spiritual warfare. You see, because when we pursue God, when we pursue God, we're really not pursuing Him for our own wants. We're nearly, if we're really pursuing God, it's not, it's not about what I really need. When we're pursuing God, it's not, it's not about, as us Pentecostals say, getting me another blessing. When I pursue God, it's for kingdom purpose. It's for that purpose like in the model prayer, that the prayer that Jesus told, taught the disciples, yet we call it the Lord's Prayer even though He was teaching them. It's thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when, we, when we're really pursuing God, it's about kingdom purpose. In fact, it can, we could say that as Paul said when he spoke of, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul speaks of an intense spiritual walk that he's engaged in and he speaks of it as taking on the mind of Christ. When we begin to think like God and we begin to desire the things of God and we begin to desire the things of the kingdom of God. You see, as we pursue God, and then Paul also, he writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, he writes to them about taking on the whole armor of God. Taking on everything that God has for you. That you may stand against the wiles of the devil, I think is the way the King James says it. 
taking on the armor of God, that we can withstand everything that the enemy throws at us. But not that we can withstand everything that the enemy throws about at us, but that we can go forth and be conquered. Because the Bible says that, that the kingdom of God suffered violence and it must be taken by force. It must be taken by violence. That doesn't mean that we go out and engage in hand-to-hand combat. It doesn't mean that we go out and blow up abortion clinics and we begin to shoot up places. No, that's not what it's about at all. But as we pursue God, we're not only made ready for battle, but we're made able to go out and to conquer in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can do nothing on my own. I can do nothing with my own power, my own knowledge, my own strength, my own wisdom. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens Him, that strengthens me. And if I will pursue Him, he will equip me for kingdom purpose. So, we pursue God now, not out of selfish ambition, but we pursue God out of a kingdom ambition. I was listening to some, I've been listening to some teaching of late, some very good teaching. And I was listening, as I was listening to this teaching this past week, and, and the, the, the instructor was teaching about the, the, the rewards. There's different rewards. There's different crowns. There's like a martyr's crown. Uh, there's a soul winner's crown, as we call it. There's different crowns that can, that will be won. That, that we, when we, if you're a Christian and you p- appear before the bema seat uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will, if you're a Christian, you will be judged at the bema seat, the judgment seat of the saints. We will be rewarded for our works, and then we get to take those crowns, those works, and we cast them at the feet of Jesus in worship. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of life. But as we, as we find ourselves going through this life, I don't want, listen, I heard a preacher say one time, uh, one Sunday morning on TV, he said, he said, I'm just, he said, there's people that's just getting saved by the skin of their teeth. My father-in-law, he said, buddy, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I don't have any skin on my teeth. It's not, it's not about, Lord, just build me a little cabin in the corner of glory land. There's another old song, I sort of despise it, but that song says, I'm a hobo on the freight train to heaven. Let me tell you something. I'm not interested, I'm not saved just so I can go to heaven. I'm saved in order that I may serve the Lord Jesus Christ in His kingdom right now, which is right here in Blue Well, West Virginia, right in Brush Fork, right in Pocahontas, wherever you're living, wherever you're from, wherever you're watching at this morning, that is the kingdom you're living in. And I want to pursue Him and His righteousness that I may obtain a crown of soul winning. I may obtain a crown of good works that I have blessed people that I've come to. I want more of God. Not that I can boast. Not that I can brag because there is nothing about me to brag about. There's nothing for me to boast in. But I want more of God in order that I may distribute more of Him unto more of you because there is a world out there in front of us that the majority of them do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They do not have a 
relationship with Him. I pursue God today in order that I may further the kingdom of God and I may see His righteousness at work in the world today and I will be rewarded accordingly for that when the proper time comes. But that is not my goal. That is not my motive. I want to reach somebody for Jesus. And in order to do so, Lord, I pursue You that I may have more of You that I may give more away and I may see the kingdom of God increase. For some 30 years, the American Express Company used this slogan on their cards. The slogan simply said, don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. Let me tell you, you and I You and I can't afford to leave home without an up-close and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I can't afford to start out any day of our life without drawing closer to God. God, I need to get just a little bit closer to you. God, I, I, I need to draw more into your presence. You know, we go to watch our grandkids play ball. And I want to tell you, it's expensive, isn't it? Having grandkids playing sports is expensive, especially as they get older. We went the other night to a softball game. Our granddaughter was in a softball game. Six dollars a piece to get in that softball game. And we had to walk a half a mile to get to the field and carry our own child. That and carry our own chairs. Well, they should have paid us. But you know what? We paid the price to get close. We sat right up against the fence, right on the baseline, so we could watch Jalen play ball. You know what? It's because we have a desire to get close to the one we love even though it cost us $6. How much desire do you have to get close to the one you love? Do you love Him? Now, we could have set up on the hill. We'd have been, we wouldn't have been illegal with it. We could have went and set way up on the hill and we could have watched from afar off. But when she got up for that second bat and she crashes an RBI producing double and that old metal bat went ping when she connected with that softball and it went out in the field. Let me tell you, if I'd have been up on top of that hill watching her, I probably wouldn't have heard the ping of the bat. I might not even really been able to see if it was... Our darling granddaughter at bat. Because if I'd have been way up on the hill watching her for a I would have been there, but you know, I really wouldn't have been there. You know, sometimes we're that way in the kingdom of God. We're there, but we're really not there. Sometimes we're watching from a distance. Can't really see what's going on. 
<laughs> Can't really hear the crack of the bat. But yeah, we we were there. Saved six dollars. You know. Really didn't see anything. No, no, no. It's worth it to me to pay the price and be close to the one I love. And in the kingdom of God, it's worth paying the price of pursuing God with all that you have, all that I have. It's worth our pursuit of God to get close to the one we love. And as we get close to the one we love, kingdom purpose will increase. So my question... I got a typo there. How did we miss that typo? You proved that for me. So that's supposed to be how much or how far actually is what it's supposed to say. How far are you willing to go to get up close and personal with Jesus? How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to pay $6 to get through the gate so you can set your chair right up beside the baseline or you want to sit and just watch off from the top of the hill? Thank you for that correction. Warren is the man this morning. So how far are you willing to go to get up close and personal with God? Are you willing to take some time in prayer? Are you willing to take some time in fasting? Are you willing to take some time in your Bible? Are you willing to take some time out of your schedule to go and pray for somebody? Are you, you know, what, what is it? What, whatever you can think of, how far are you willing to go to get up close and personal with God? Only you can answer that question. Only you can make that decision. Only you can get up close and personal with God. It's all up to you. The ball, proverbially, is in your court. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Number one, if you're in this room and you're unsaved, or if you've backslidden on the Lord, do you see the need of getting up close and personal with God? If you're unsaved, if you've never known Him, or if you, you've, you've, you've wandered far away, you've, you've turned your back on God, you've wandered away from the house, but you see a need of getting back to Him. And I've got sad news for you. You're not up close and personal. But you can be. So if you're in this room and you're unsaved, or you, you've backslidden on the Lord, but you see the need of coming back home or coming home for the first time today, would you just wave your hand at me? Nobody's looking around. Anybody in this room? Pastor, I see the need of coming back home. I see the need of making my way to God. Anybody at all? I take it by that response that everybody in this room is saved. I hope I'm right. I hope my assumption is good. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody else in this room? Is there anybody in this room that says, Pastor, I'm willing to take some actions to have more of God's presence in my life. Manifest presence. I'm willing to take some action to get more of God's presence into my life. Is there one person in this room, or two, or three, that would raise their hand 
and say, Pastor, I'm willing to take some action. I think I'm willing, I want to take some action. Thank you. Is there, are there others? No, number of hands going up in this place right now. This is what I want to ask you to do. I want you, I want you all to join me down front. I want those of you that raised your hand especially, but even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to join me down front. And we're going to corporately come together in a pursuit. Now, I think a lot of things can happen and will happen instantaneously in a moment of prayer. But this is what I, this was what I want us to do. Those, those that, that slipped your hands up, those that have come down, maybe there's others that want to come down this morning. That in our hearts, don't ask, just merely ask, ask God to help me be that way. But this morning, begin to make a commitment in your heart. Make a decision in your heart. Everything starts with a decision. That God, I'm going to get more up close and personal with you than I've ever been. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, now count those costs. The Bible speaks of counting costs. But Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to pursue you. You know what you're thinking. You know what's on your mind of what your pursuit is. But right now, I just want you to right now to make that commitment. Lord, I'm going to pursue you.